The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. At the door. On behalf of Pastor and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I have the opportunity to welcome our guest speaker to introduce him to us. I'm not sure what kind of introduction that is because he's not a new face at all to God's favorite house. He is a full-fledged member of God's favorite house, even though he is the pastor of Redeemed Christian Church of God, Mercy Place. I'm bringing on to stage, introducing with a GFH welcome, Pastor Shea Kosaka. Praise God. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise ye the name of the Lord. It is truly a privilege, Almighty God, to be in your presence. To bring your word is an honor. Today, Lord, I ask Almighty God that you will speak through me and that the hearts of your people will be fatal soul to receive. That, Lord, all of us will lift up our eyes unto Jesus. And as we do so, he will draw us to himself. Today, Lord, speak to us. Do that which only you can do. And do a new work in our lives. The grace to obey and to do that which we'll hear. Father, release unto us in the name of Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, one of the beautiful things about GFH is they think of everything. (laughs) I opened my eyes and I saw the handkerchief. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. You guys are just too much. God bless you. You know, the song that they finished with is so apt because this morning I'm going to be sharing on the work of grace. The work of grace. That song talked about grace and the last line it was your, it's your grace that has kept me all this while. And our text will be taken from the book of Luke chapter 5 from verses 1 to 7. And I'll read from the New Living Translation. It says, One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and lay down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll lay the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. Verse 7, a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon, both boats were filled with fish, and on the verge, 
of sinking. And then verse 11. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. The Lord bless the reading of his word. This morning we see a story that we're all very familiar with. People who were professionals, who were experts in their field, not unlike you and I, had worked in the midst of their professional work and they had done so much work. Through the night, they feed, but they caught nothing. I want you to picture a scene by morning. They must have been tired. They must have been worn out. And they could have said, okay, since we're coming back tonight, let's go home, let's go and rest. When we come back in the evening, we will clean out the nets and we'll get ready. But after all the toil and all the work that they had done, they still decided to clean out their nets. And so, they were cleaning out the nets. I can imagine how they must have been thinking. I want you to think of them as providers. They had families waiting at home. They had children waiting, hoping that daddy will come back home with food. Hoping that daddy will come back home with money, with provision as the head of the family and the provider. And so, I want you to now think of these people. They walked all through the night. They know that children and wife and family are waiting and they don't have anything to take back home. I don't know whether you can identify with that, but in our nation today, there's so much of that that is happening. People are not lazy. They are doing their best. But things are just not working out. And so, after all of these efforts, they're cleaning the nets and everything. And then somebody comes, one preacher. <laughs> I can imagine in those days what... Um, how they must have looked at and everything. Of course, they must have heard of him that somebody, one new guy in town, going around, you know, just talking and um, trying just generally to upset everything. Of course, that will be the last person that they want to relate with at that point in time, you know. The frustration, all of it that must be going on through them and everything. And then this <laughs> preacher comes and says, um, you. I said, me? No, 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 you, you. Because there were, it seems that there were a number of them and he said, hey, you, can I have your boat? Can you just move <laughs> out a little bit? And the guy says, what do you want to use my boat? No, 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 I want to preach. <laughs> can I use your boat to preach? I want you to pause and put yourself in Peter's shoes. What will be going through your mind? For some of us, in our natural self, we'll give him our best wishes. You know, your best wishes come from your belly. <laughs> but then, this Peter, oh, it was still Simon, so decided to take the boat. I want you to picture it. 
Only God knows how long Jesus preached for. No, they didn't tell us. So, imagine you and I, not only did you oblige this preacher man, you are going, and then the guy goes on and on and on and on. Your children are waiting. Your wife, everybody are waiting. There's nothing to go take back. Your frustrations are there and everything. And then this gentleman just keeps going on. And then at some point in time, when he had satisfied himself, now says, you know what? Now, lay down your net. (laughs) Peter was quite decent. And so he was quite respect. Jesus, I mean, indeed. But, (laughs) Oga, it is daytime now. (laughs) We have fished all night. And we caught nothing. Okay, but if you say so, let me just. And the rest, as they say, is history. I try to tell you the story and to picture it for that you can begin to think and to see that there's nothing you and I are going through today that is out of the ordinary. That other people haven't gone through before. But that there is a work of grace. There is a God that is in heaven that loves us with an everlasting love and whose grace is sufficient for us. And so this morning we're just going to do a teaching around this and then we'll bring out certain things from there see how it applies to us and then we'll take one or two prayer points and I'll be done. The Lord help us in the name of Jesus. The first thing that I want us to note there is that the boats were empty. The boats were empty. <clears throat> Where were they? Where are you and I? The boat is not meant to be empty. They're supposed to be there. But they had done something and they had toiled all night and they had failed. But they were still doing something around the work of the boat. The question that you and I must ask is, on the day of visitation, where will you and I be? The boats were empty. Jesus didn't let the boat, if they were not around, as we now know with the benefit of hindsight, that was the day God had ordained that they were going to guide the catch of their lives. The day, as it were, the story of their lives were going to turn. And their boats were empty. They were not there. But thank God, something in them which showed the discipline, the hard work and the commitment. Even though they had come, they had toiled and failed and were frustrated, they decided to still do what was necessary. When you and I are the place 
when challenges of life seem to be so much and everything, and we seem to be tired, do we give up and leave the boats empty? Or do we still hang in there? That's the first one. So, the issue for you and I, and now the relevance of that to you and I is, where are you and I? God is looking for people that will be available for his work, people that he will use for his kingdom. Are you and I available? The boats of our lives, is it empty of Jesus or are we willing and available for his work? The next thing we look at and we see is Jesus requested Peter for the use of his boat. The same way Jesus is asking for the use of the boat of my life and your life every day. Will you and I oblige him? And I want you to understand the context like I painted the picture. Tired, fished all night, cleaning the nets, going home to tell the family no catch. And Jesus requests for the boat to preach. Who does that? Yet, in each situation, in different areas of our lives, in different iterations of this thing, God is still requesting of us the use of the boat of our lives. Even when we think that we've served, we're tired, we've done everything, please let me just rest a little. And so Jesus requests for the boat. And Peter answered. And he said, obliged him. Brethren, you and I must always be at alert in the spirit to understand and to appreciate the place of obedience. Peter wasn't yet a disciple. But he recognized something about Jesus that made him to oblige. The case for most of us today, we already know Jesus. The price has been paid. He's died and he's risen and he's alive forevermore. What level of commitment, what level of obedience do we have for his promptings? And for his requests. I want you to understand that this is a message for everybody. <laughs> I myself still find the places where I struggle in matters of obedience. Where when things happen, they realize that, oh, it was the Lord. But we saw here Peter obliging in spite of his challenges and these issues in life. So many of us will begin to carry the challenge and issues of our lives as trophies. And they become excuses for complaining, for murmuring, and for everything that takes us out of the desire and the plans of God for our 
lives. May we not miss the appointment of the Lord for our lives in the name of Jesus. And the Bible, if you read the King James Version, it says that when Jesus came, can you give us the same text in the King James? And let's quickly read. Sorry, I don't have the King James. Aha. And it came to pass, as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. Stop. I want us to take that. The Bible says the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. There was an eagerness in their spirit. There was a desire. There was a pent up desire. There was a thirst. There was a hunger for the word of God. Do you and I have a hunger? Do you and I have a thirst? Are you and I willing to press? You know, the press was, they wanted to just swarm him. They were so full of the hunger, the thirst, and the desire that the Bible says they pressed upon him. And it was because of the prayers that he needed to give some distance. Otherwise, maybe they would have overrun him. Now, that speaks to something. What is the Abiding desire of your heart and the abiding desire of my heart. Is it about a hunger? Is it about a thirst? Is it about a desire for God and his word? Or is it about other pursuits that you and I desire to use God to achieve? Today, so many of us are so Incensed and so overtaken with a desire for the gifts and the blessings. And in the process, we forget the giver of the gifts. The giver of the gifts is no longer material. It's about getting the gifts and the blessings. And so we become users. So many of us today in church, professing Christians, are really users. We are using God and Christ that we may achieve the goals and the desires of our lives. And it ought not to be so. It was a contrast with these people. They had nothing. But they knew that there was something in the word of God. And so it became the central driving force of their lives. It must have been early in the morning. They were eager. How eager are you and I? How hungry are you and I for the word of God? How thirsty are we for this water, living waters that flow They pressed. They wanted to hear. The desire, of, the desire for God is what bats the fullness of the approach and the method by which we seek him. The desire for God is what bats the fullness of the approach 
and the method by which we seek him. So what is the driving force? Is what determines the attention that you give to. The priority that you give to it. And how serious is what will determine the methods by which you. And so if the foundation is not right, you will think that any method, so long as you reach the end. And that's what we have today in a lot of us as Christians in the body of Christ. It is not about him and the sanctity of his ways. It is about using it. Like somebody said, the road, the wide road to hell and the narrow road to heaven are both marked to heaven. And so he leaves a question for you and I to think and say, why am I here? You say you are a Christian, you have you have taken Jesus, you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and confessed him as your Savior. The price paid on Calvary, you have accepted that you have been washed by the blood. So now that you are saved, what is the driving force of your profession of faith? We find the people here, the Bible says they pressed on Jesus to hear the word of God. They were seekers. They wanted to find the gift of life. They were hungered after the bread of life. What do you and I hunger for today? What is the central desire of my life and your life. Talk is cheap. Anybody can say it's about Jesus. But in my heart and in your heart, how are we? These people pressed. They desired. They wanted to know. What I need you to note is that the desire is not by wish or will. Ezekiah says, it's not by power, nor by might, but by the spirit of the Lord. And so you may want to pray, Lord, create in me by your Holy Spirit that desire, that hunger and thirst for righteousness for you. Don't let me be taken away by lying vanities. For they that pursue lying vanities forsake their own mercies. Create in me, give me that heart, Lord, that hunger, that thirst, that desire for you. In Jesus' mighty name. And as you pray, the Lord will hear and grant in the name of Jesus. Next thing that we take is that Jesus taught. How long for? <coughs> we don't know. We really don't know. But there was something that kept Peter. Something must have touched him. As Jesus was preaching. And so, like I said, he's frustrated, tired and everything. Yet, he was patient. He endured the teaching and the time and everything. Like 
Somebody said in the clip that we heard from the teachings that he's learned to understand about the place of endurance and patience. That he used to think that, look, every time my own, my wife, you are doing others, you are not doing my own. Quick, 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 quick. Brethren, there's a place of endurance. There's a place of patience that you and I may attain that which the Lord has for us. In this day of, there's a by force, by force. Now, now, God is not a genie in a bottle. And it's not a microwave in and out. No. Our God, whatever he does is to last and to endure. And so it takes time to build that it may last that it may endure. The question for you and I to ask is, do I have that grace? Have I become one of those people that when that thing I'm praying for is on yet, I'm murmuring, I'm complaining. You know, we have Christianist ways of murmuring and complaining nicely. <laughs> but the Lord who knows all things, he knows our hearts, he knows. But there's a hope. There's an expectation that we know cannot be cut short. The Bible says we're saved by hope and we're not ashamed. The challenge for us today is we are comparing ourselves with another. Yet, the course of each of our lives is different. The plan of God is different for each person. What is my stand and your stand when that which we are hoping for is yet to come? When you and I are frustrated and going through the challenges of life, do we lash out at those around us or those around Or do we let our speech be seasoned with grace? Do we take out our frustrations or do we continue looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith? Something must have touched Peter in the teaching of Jesus. The fact that we don't know how long it took tells us about patience, about endurance, about waiting on the promises of God. And so when Jesus was done with teaching, the Bible says Jesus told him, now set out your net in this part. That is the next point. Elijah was a man that was used to the signs and the wonders. And he went into the cave and we all know the story. The fire, the thunder, the earthquake, everything. But he says the Lord was not in there. Until he heard a still small voice. What is the relevance of that was there is that Jesus must have told Peter to launch out the nets in an ordinary voice. He didn't say, Dove said the Lord. You know, so many of us, we like drama. We are waiting for the signs and the gym, gym, gym. Yet God, sometimes, a lot of times now, is in the place of the still, small voice. So unless you have trained yourself to be tuned 
to see God and to hear God in the ordinary course of things, it is so easy to miss God. And so for those of us who are here who is always about all the dim dim before things can happen, sometimes it's not. I remember my wife and I, we waited for four years before we had children. And while we were still waiting and everything, my wife got pregnant. She didn't even know. We all thought she had malaria. And then when they treated malaria, it wasn't well. They said it was, uh, what's that other one that is typhoid? So they began to give her ground for any call and everything. Now, really, the work of grace. I can talk about grace because it was grace that saved us. Because those are the kind of drugs that you should not be taking in pregnancy. And so after we went to treat her, one of the ones that just said, Maybe we should treat, maybe we should test for preg- uh, pregnancy test. I was like, what's wrong with this woman? We're talking about somebody being sick every time. And, and then, you know what she was saying? She said she thought that when she was going to get pregnant, I haven't waited and prayed for four years, there's going to be thunder. <laughs> she didn't even know she was pregnant. And that's how God works in our lives. The list expectation, the least way you, that's why. So that's why you have to be sensitive and don't put God in a box. If Peter had been one of the people who were used to people who had to do drama and to stay in a sudden voice, he would have missed his day of visitation. Jesus just probably said, okay, now launch out here. Now, the thing I want to ask you is why should he obey Jesus? And he did, he said it. Jesus, yeah, a preacher. They're not even a rabbi. He didn't, I mean, you know, we recognize, but we know that he didn't really go to any school, you know. But somehow, you seem to have this word. You know it somehow. But look, this is my profession. I am a trained fisherman of no mean repute. I have been doing this. I am an excellent. I even have partners. I am an entrepreneur. I have the skills. I've got an MBA. I've got everything. I know how to do this thing. Don't come tell me that. Who fish? No, don't let me come and throw bullet here. Is it who fishes or who fish in the daytime? You know, you know, I'm a Yoruba man. So I use English. I use money to learn this English. So I have to be careful. <laughs> You know, this is one of the beauties of being in. You know, being in Jesus is joyful. You have fun. I love, I'm having fun in Christ. <laughs> you know, you can laugh at yourself. No, life is too simple, it's too short for you to take it. You know, be able to laugh at yourself. So, who fishes during the day? <laughs> well, let me be, let me do, let me be safe. Who does fishing during the day? <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> Because fishing is done at night. And you know, it's all over the world till today. Fishermen, trawlers and everything, it's through the night. And even the scientific, they've shown that the fish, they gather and leave as if they to the rest, so they catch it at night. So how do you come and you don't forget how long he's been preaching for? It couldn't have been an hour. No. It must have been more than an hour. So probably the sun has come out. So even the little fish, anyone that was struggling behind, who have not gone, by that time they will have gone into hiding. And that's when this is. The relevance of that is, you see, the work of grace is not about you and I. It's not about expertise. It's not about our knowledge. 
is about his choice. He chooses by grace. By grace. And so Jesus says, and the guy, okay, I never, they are like the King James, nevertheless. Okay, at your word, and he threw the net. And then, the greatest miracle. The place of obedience. He went against all his understanding. He went against all his knowledge. He was against all that he had trained and he had done. The same way for us in Christ. This is how we've been doing. This is how we've been worshipping. That's the biggest challenge for us in Christianity today. Form, orthodoxy and everything. Before we know it, we fossilize. Yet, the spirit of God is so... So wherever the spirit of the Lord, there's liberty. If he moves this way, he can choose to move another way another day. That is his prerogative. Why? He's sovereign. So many of us try to put God and frame God in our own image. And after our own understanding and our likeness. Or in the image and the understanding of what others' experiences have been. No, this God is <laughs> too much. His ways are unsearchable and beyond understanding. The Bible says it does as it pleases. So he chose to bring the catch of fish in the daytime. Jesus was declaring I am the Lord of all creation. That's what it was. And so that means that they've said that you don't have a womb. They've said that you can never do this something again because of who are they? The Bible says in Lamentations 3.37, who is it that speaks and it comes to pass when the Lord has not permitted? The work of grace is God saying it's not about what you have done. It's not about your qualification. But I And so, we see Peter getting a catch. The truth is that God is a rewarder. Hebrews 6 verse 10 says, God is not unjust. That he will not reward your labor of love as a minister to him and to minister to the saints. It's only man that uses and the Satan that uses and throws away. There is nothing that you give to God, you serve to God, or do you offer up to God your time, your service, your talent, your skill, whatever, that goes unrewarded. So, brethren, there's a reward in serving this God. We're not serving him just because of the reward, which is where the challenge for some of us are. So, I would do this so that God would do this. No. Because he's a loving father, I would still do that. But he was desires that you and I will love him for who he is. And that's what it is. When you seek his face, he will release his hand unto you. So many of us are concerned only with his hands. Yet he's saying, will you come up higher to my face? As you behold his face, all that he has becomes available to you. So for some of us, 
It's time to rearrange our priorities. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those things that we have made priorities. They are supposed to be incidents of our relationship with him. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. So, let's run through. The Bible says they had a catch like never before. It tells you and I about the day of our visitation. Being always expectant. Being always prepared. Being always available. And as the Lord will use he will reward. And so, they had a catch. The Bible says, their boat, began, Peter's boat, began to sink. It says in verse, it says, My son, we walked all down lines and didn't catch it. But if you say so, I let down the nets again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. That was verse 6. It says, it will do exceedingly abundantly beyond that which we hope or expect. Just by lending his boat to Jesus, in spite of his frustration, in spite of his pain, in spite of his sorrow, or whatever challenges of his life, and by enduring and being patient through the teaching of Christ, and by obeying the story of his life changed. The Lord will move in your life in a way that you will testify that the Lord has put a new song in your mouth. Even praise unto our song. Not only men, you will be the first to be afraid. You know, the way the Lord does some things for you. Somebody came to tell me, tell me he said, when his boss was telling him, they created a position for him. This was somebody that had laid off before. And just recall him. They created a position for him. Became, he, said, he said he was afraid. He was shaking. Everything. I said, that is good. <laughs> so you will know that this is God. You know? But that's how God. Peter, the Bible says, their boat began to sink. Peter's boat began to sink. Now, what I want us to take next is the state of Peter's heart. The Bible says, as his boat began to sink, he did what? He called out to his friends in the other boat. What is your reaction and my reaction to the blessings of God in your life and in my life? Let me tell you, brethren, there are certain things we must set to long before we get to the place of the blessing. Because the Bible says, the blessing of the foolish will be his destruction. Peter's heart was right. So many of us don't understand the place of the blessing of God in our lives. We think it's about us and to be consumed on our own loss. So that you will be the Baba, everybody will be raking away and everything you be. No, the blessing of God in your life is to be for the benefit of the body of Christ. You are merely an instrument. But when you don't settle that matter, you become selfish and self-centered and you accrue everything to yourself. We see here the heart of Peter displayed. Peter understood that I got this thing by grace. This is daytime. I didn't work for it. I kept me be a blessing to others. Will you be a blessing to others as the Lord blesses you? So Peter called. And the Bible says 
His friends came and they too, their boat too, began to sink. In other words, Peter from zero came to the place of getting the level of blessings that was capable of making two boats to sink. Now, what I want you to see here is this. If Peter had been a selfish person, a self-centered Christian as a lot of us are, who don't understand about the kingdom agenda, who don't have a heart of grace to be able to reach out to others and to ensure that whatever they have to get to others and they become an instrument for spreading the kingdom of God on earth, the level of catch that will have sunk two boats, what will have happened to Peter's boat? And what will have happened to Peter himself? Chances are they will have drowned. And that's where you and I have to be careful. The blessings of God and the glory of God has weight. You have to be prepared to be able to carry that. And that is not a matter of might. It's not a matter of strength. It is by the spirit and the grace of God. God is speaking to us in this story. Saying that we are supposed to be instruments of his to reach out and to spread his kingdom. That whenever he blesses us, when we are praying for the blessings of the Lord, we have to be at alert. So say, Lord, what is this blessing for? But so many of us are being consumed and we are sinking because of the weight of the blessings of God in our own lives because we don't understand the work of grace because we think it's all about us and ourselves alone. You have an opportunity to recommend so you have an opportunity to do. Why do you waste time? There's only so much you can do, you can have. Why don't you be an instrument of spreading the grace as you have freely received. So you should freely give. If Peter had tried to keep all, he probably would have sunk with it. And so the question is, is the blessing of God in your life sinking you because you are not reaching out to bless others? Are you greedy, self-centered, and thinking only of yourself and your family and those around you? Or do you understand the greater plan and the greater need of God? So we go to the next point where we truly see the place of the work of grace. When we look at Peter, we can say Peter did something. He worked or he gave his boat. And so at least he offered something. Those his friends. What did they do? They were probably as frustrated because they were partners. They were as frustrated as he was. They were all tired. They were working on their nets and everything. All of them were not at their boats when Jesus came. But because they were Peter's friends, 
And this is what I want you to note. They chose to wait for Peter. They could have decided to go home. I don't have any business with this preacher. Peter, you are the one who has both to give. You are free. And so many of us were so, so concerned about our own lives. He's managing our own lives, running our own lives. When anybody seems to be encroaching or to sacrifice for anybody, please, 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 let me sort out myself. But in choosing to wait for Peter, being friends, they got the blessings of their lives. They didn't earn. They didn't do anything for truly point. May the Lord cause us to be associated with those that will bring us into the fullness of the blessing of God for our lives. And so, your association is crucial and important. His friends were blessed because of their relationship with Peter. The Bible says Potiphar's house was blessed because of Joseph in his house. May the Lord cause us to have the right relationships that will bring us into the center of the plan of God for our lives in the name of Jesus. The work of grace so manifest in the case of the friends of Peter. The master always rewards. And so some questions should come out from this to us. What if Peter was not at the place or had left before Jesus came? What if his friends too had left before Jesus came? Or even after Jesus had come, what if Peter had refused? What if he had not given his boat? What, what if Peter had failed to offer anything and chosen not to? How do we explain the story of his friends in the other boat? The work of grace. And this speaks of the blessing of the right association, the right company. But also the fact that they waited. What do you sacrifice for your friends? What do you sacrifice for friends? What do you sacrifice for co-laborers in the house of the Lord? What it is that you give up for the sake of relationship? In sacrificing and waiting for Peter, they were beneficiaries of the work of grace. So many of us miss out on the things that God had planned for us. Because we are thinking only of ourselves. Ourselves for others. Because we are not willing to be a blessing. for. We are not willing to sacrifice for others. We are so totally consumed by our own issues, by our own challenges, by our own problems. Yet, God may have the solution in what you offer up for somebody else. May the Lord give us the grace in the name of Jesus. He must have stayed during Jesus' preaching. What if he had left? What if he allowed his frustrations of the night of not having any catch? What if he had caused him to leave and left when Jesus entered Peter's boat? 
And that is the challenge for you and I. But what I want to bring out also from here, which is the next point, is this. Even when the point of blessing comes, brethren, the blessing means hard work. I want you to picture these guys. They toiled and walked throughout the night. They must have been tired. And then Jesus said, launch out. To launch out is work, is effort. And then he said they should throw the net. The same work that they don't throw the night. And then to even gather the catch. In other words, brethren, the blessings of God, as God takes you to the next level, prepared for harder work. Don't allow the challenges and the mistakes and the failures of the past limit you. Whatever is in the Bible, Peter said, I mean, Paul says, I press forward. Forgetting the things of the past, I press towards the mark with the high calling of Christ. That you have done something yesterday and done even and you have failed doesn't mean that if you were just pressing a little bit, maybe different. I have a friend who used to work in the seismic drill and what this data in oil industry. In the nineties, they had a client who had an oil block, and they were the ones who did all the drilling, who did all the, all the seismic and everything. And they did, they did everything in the, in the large area over a period of time, over about five, five years. Everywhere, all the holes dry, everything, all the wells were dry. And so the people in frustration, they sold the block. And so the new owners of the block now said, look, let's go to the people who had been doing all the work and everything, because they sold the data and everything. And they were, so when they went there, they said, look, this thing, forget it, you bought a dot. We've been on this thing for so many years, we drill everywhere, nothing. This one said, okay, just still do some more. You know what he told me? He said the distance when they drilled was not more than the same, maybe the, uh, a house from the beginning to the end, you know? Not, that means it's not the length of this place. And they struck oil. The same people who had worked on it and worked on it for years, just a little further. What's the relevance of that for you and I today? Maybe Jesus is telling you, just a little further. You have been in there long. You've prayed. You've walked. You've served. You've done everything. But something seems to be showing. But do you know the God that you are serving? Is he a user or a rewarder? If you know there's a rewarder, hang in there. There's yet a day of appointment. <laughs> But you see, it's hard work. As you get in, it's another level, it's another level. They were tired, they worked all night. They ought to be resting. That's the normal thing, they ought to be resting. But that was when the blessing came. If they were not willing to just stretch themselves, and they wouldn't have caught a catch. May the Lord help us in the name of Jesus. And so, I'm closing now. The Bible says in verse 11, after they had done everything, <laughs> the Bible says they forsook all. 
you know, the beauty and the love of this our God. Unlike Peter, who says they left everything. And this, for record, these were the first disciples. <laughs> Today, Jesus is not telling you and I to leave all everything. What he's just saying is, give me your life. That's all he's asking for you and I today. He's not saying, cancel your, of course, there are people that will tell so, but he's not saying, resign, cancel everything and go and everything. What I want you to see here is that there was something in these people that they had an understanding about. This was the day that they hammered. As we will say, this is the day they struck oil. All their life, this was what was the turning point in their business. And then they said, eh? Jesus, you did this. I beg, this one. And that is where the issue is. Jesus is not saying give up everything. All he's just saying is, give me your life. Let me be the driver. Let me be the helmsman of the boat of your life. In other words, give me the boat of your life. Let me begin to be the master of the ship. For so many of us, <laughs> myself inclusive, man, that kind of catch will begin. They will begin new ways, expansion. We begin to open in different countries and <laughs> But these people had an understanding. That there's not much, no matter what I can do with this thing, if I stay with the giver, every other thing becomes mine. And that is what the work of grace is. Understanding that he holds everything. And so the question today is, what are you willing to give? That you and I woke up this morning is a work of grace. The blessings of God in your life, what are you doing about it? What are you doing with it? Are you making a difference? Are you showing men that work of grace in your life by how you apply? Are you like Peter calling unto others? I have come to know this Jesus and he's sweet. Come and taste and see with me that the Lord is good. Today, Jesus is asking, for the boat of our life and my life. Two categories of people. Those who have never given up their boat before. You have never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Brethren, no matter what you have been struggling, no matter, this is the only God that can make a difference for you. The answer to all the things you have been looking for is in this Jesus. Why don't you try him? For those of us who already know Jesus, all the issues that we raise today are questions that you and I must address. And are we willing, at the point of the greatest blessing and the victory, are we willing to hand it over back to Jesus? He said, Lord, freely have I received. Here it is to your glory. Jesus is asking you and I to return the glory unto him. The Bible says, 
Jesus healed 10 lepers. Only one of them who was a Samaritan came back. And Jesus says, why they are not 10 that were healed? Where are the other 9? How come they have not returned to give glory unto God by giving thanks? How come it's only this foreigner? Today is a Thanksgiving day, I believe, because I see the Thanksgiving envelope. The work of grace in your, in your life, I mean, is what has brought us thus far. Are you willing to return glory to the giver? Are you willing to hand over the boat of your life to him? You know, so many of us have accepted Jesus as our savior, but he's yet to become the Lord and the master of our lives. Today he's asking, will you let me be the master of the ship? of the boat of your life. Let's talk to the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed.